I've been saying that I think that this artificial intelligence stock market, and that's what it is, it's an artificial intelligence bubble. Uh, this economy is being driven by an AI bubble on the stock market. And uh, now other people are starting to say this as well. You have Financial Times uh, out of the UK uh, saying the skeptical case on generative AI. Hype is huge around the technology, but there's some uncomfortable truths that are being raised, they said. Uh, they said even by the breathless standards of previous technology hype cycles, the generative artificial intelligence enthusiasts have been hyperventilating hard. Trillion-dollar companies, including Alphabet, that's uh, Google's parent company now, and Microsoft, declare that AI is the new electricity, or it's the new fire. And they are re-engineering their entire businesses around it. Never knowingly out-hyped, venture capital investors have been pumping money into the sector as well. 50 of the most promising generative AI startups have raised more than $19 billion in funding since 2019. Of these, 11 now count as unicorns with valuations above a billion dollars. And of course, this is a still chicken feed compared to uh, what Trump gave Big Pharma. The difference is that this is real money. This isn't fiat promissory notes uh, and uh, you know, kicking the debt can down the road, which is what he did with the money that he gave Big Pharma. Uh, and this is something that could evaporate because it has really hyped up the stock market. Stock market is not doing well except for artificial intelligence. Even the sober suits at McKinsey, says the Financial Times, estimate that the technology could add between $2.6 trillion to $4.4 trillion of economic value annually across 63 examples of use that it analyzed, ranging from banking to life sciences. In other words, in very rough terms, what they're telling us is that generative AI could create the equivalent of a new UK economy every year. Does that sound like that's hype? Uh, $3 trillion in 2021. Now, it isn't so much a question as to whether or not this is something might, that might eventually happen. But I keep going back and looking at the, uh, the dot-com bust that happened. You know, late 1990s, you had... Uh, the bandwidth started rapidly increasing and people could see that uh, there was going to be practical applications for the internet as we have seen. And, um, you know, the thing that had been hampering it was not having sufficient bandwidth. And so as that was starting to come in, uh, you had this explosion, all kinds of dot coms were being created and it was a bubble. And that was the bubble that happened before the real estate bubble. And now we're back to another tech bubble. But the thing that killed, uh, you know, and again, when you look at real estate as a very good investment long-term, it's a great investment. They're not making any more of it, right? As they always say. And you can say the same thing about technology. Look, the idea that the internet was going to be something that was big, there was no question about that. So this isn't about whether or not AI is ultimately going to deliver on the promises. The question is, have they gotten ahead of themselves? And that's what happened with the dot-com thing. It's also what happened with the real estate market. Besides manipulation and securitization and the games that are being played uh, by the big investors, that was, in a way, a, a different thing. But it was still, nevertheless, a bubble. The tech bubble that happened 
was an example of um, too much too soon. And then when somebody realizes that the hype is overhyped, uh, they start to get scared. And some people say, well, I'm going to you know, sell my stuff. And people say, oh, you know, this big guy over here just sold it. And now all these people who piled into this thing because they were told it's going to be the next big thing. Now they, they got in because of fear of missing out. Now they're jumping out because of fear of missing out, of getting out of the exit. And so that's what happens to these bubbles. It always happens to them. And so the Financial Times says, but what if they're wrong in all of this? In a series of provocative posts, technologist Gary Marcus explores the possibility that we could see a, quote, massive gut-wrenching correction in valuations as investors realize generative AI does not work very well and it lacks killer business applications. Quote, the revenue isn't there yet, and it might never come. And uh, Brian Shalhavi at Health Impact, vaccineimpact.com, I give him credit for being the first one to call this out. And he talked about previous, uh, he said this is actually the third wave of artificial intelligence hype and bubbles. And you had lots of money poured into the previous two waves, not nearly as much as this, and not nearly as much hype. And we didn't see the kinds of things like we have seen so far. But I think he's right. I think this is a third AI bubble. A bubble in the sense that it's not going to deliver as much as soon as these people are expecting and they're going to panic and the whole market will panic in the same way that it kind of panicked to get into it. Marcus is a co-founder of the Center for the Advancement of Trustworthy AI. And he was the skeptic that testified to Congress earlier this year when they had um, Sam Altman of OpenAI come in. He's been a longtime skeptic about neural network models, uh, such as OpenAI's ChatGPT, but he raises some fresh truths about generative AI as well. Take the unreliability of the models themselves. As is now clear to millions of users, one of the technology's biggest drawbacks is that it hallucinates. In his earlier book, Rebooting AI, Marcus provides a neat example of how this can happen. And oh, by the way, um, and the reason I wanted to follow up with what I had to say yesterday about the mad cow stuff. Uh, he talks about that as well. Uh, this is not something that is new. This is something, the, the study that I talked about yesterday is new. And they kind of quantized it and said, well, you know, once it gets, once the AI information gets out there and is a bigger part of the data that it's reading, and once it starts reading its own data, it's going to very quickly go to nothing. It gets really, really stupid. Just the opposite of what we're told. Oh, it's going to get so much smarter. It's going to be like Skynet. It's going to take over everything. It's going to kill us all. No. It's going to put out massive amounts of data that are garbage. It's going to consume that garbage. And just like cows that are fed the brains of other cows and spinal cords of other cows, it's going to get mad cow disease. And then if we eat it... <laughs> Just like mad cow disease, you eat a diseased cow. Well, you get the human equivalent of that. Kreisfeld Yakov disease. Anyway, in his earlier book, Rebooting AI, he provides a neat example of how this can happen. He said some AI models operate as probabilistic machines, predicting answers from patterns of data rather than exhibiting reasoning. And he gives as an example Google Translate. So there's a French word called avocat, 
which can mean lawyer as an advocate, right? It can also mean avocado. <laughs> and so if you type in the French phrase, uh, I, that it would, should be translated, I eat an avocado for lunch, Google Translate picked the most statistically probable translation, which is not avocado, but advocate, essentially, and comes up with, uh, I'm going to eat a lawyer for lunch. And we all know that's not true. It's the lawyers that'll eat your lunch, right? <laughs> um, but Marcus argues that hallucinations will remain a feature rather than a bug, that it is unfixable using current technology. He says there's this fantasy that this is all going to, that all these problems are going to go away if you just get enough data. But you can't succeed in crushing this problem with data alone. And then the other part of the issue that I talked about yesterday is the fact that the data is going to be increasingly contaminated with its own garbage. And that's yet another problem. So uh, just scraping the internet, as OpenAI has said, we're, we're going to go out there and we're going to start crawling the web and grabbing all this information. Well, as it does that, it's got a big issue if it can't distinguish between human and synthetic data. For some users, this inbuilt unreliability is a deal breaker, they said. Uh, Craig Martell, U.S. Department of Defense's chief AI officer, said last week he would demand a five nines level of accuracy. In other words, it has to be 99.999% accurate before deploying an AI system. Now, that's not all that unreasonable. As a matter of fact, if you look at text-to-speech stuff, uh, for the longest time I've looked at things, oh, yeah, it's 95, 96, 97% accurate or whatever, and it can come across as total gibberish. You really do have to be 99.999% accurate in order for it to be reasonable. He says, I can't have some kind of a hallucination that says, oh yeah, put a widget A connected to widget B and then it blows up. He said, many generative AI systems placed too high a cognitive load on the user to determine what is right or wrong. And that's really what you see with transcripts, computer generated transcripts now, at least what I have seen. You got a better one than I've used, let me know. Uh, even more concerning is the idea that content produced by generative AIs is polluting the data set. This is what I talked about yesterday, and I mentioned at the very end of the show two days ago, very briefly then, uh, on which future systems will be trained, threatening what some have called model collapse. I think the analogy of mad cow disease is even better. Uh, this means that training sets will spew out more nonsense rather than less. It means that they get dumber and dumber and dumber. Uh, just like inbred royalty <laughs> or inbred anybody, right? You don't have to be royalty to get inbred. You know, and examples of that in rural areas in the U.S. Undaunted investors typically make three arguments about how to make money out of generative AI, says Financial Times. Even with its imperfections, they say, it can still be a valuable productivity tool. There are also many uses, ranging from copywriting to calling to call center operations, where a 2-9 level of accuracy is okay. You know, the bottom line is we know how this stuff is going to be used. This is being pushed by DARPA. It's being pushed by the intelligence community. It's being pushed by the military because it's going to be very, very effective as Big Brother. Big Brother doesn't even have to have two nines to, of accuracy. They don't care if they grab the wrong people. They just grab more people, right? Uh, they don't really care if innocent people are swept up. Just go out there and search for people. 
and uh, send them to me. And uh, secondly, the latest advances in AI allow data to be analyzed in real time. Again, surveillance. <clears throat> this is how it's going to be used. You know, you think this is going to be something that's going to help us? No, this is something that DARPA and the military are using, and they're going to use it against us. They may not use it on their, uh, on their jets in the way that uh, he was talking about or and other design, but <clears throat> you don't need to have a scalpel if you're big brother. You don't really care about any collateral damage that's being done to people. They'll enable the creation of new services and new business models yet unimagined. Well, we've had dystopian science fiction novels that have imagined it. It's not going to be Terminator Skynet. It'll be more like Terry Gilliam's Brazil. This totalitarian, stupid society that just runs roughshod over everybody's lives. For the moment, it's only cloud computing providers and chip manufacturers that are really making money in the generative AI boom, says Financial Times. But again, you know, when you, even when you look at this kind of stuff, you know, what happens <clears throat> when you get down the road a bit and uh, the uh, people who've been designing uh, chips have retired and the upcoming generation has just been trained to uh, rely on artificial intelligence? It's going to tell us the answer. And what happens when it says you connect widget A to widget B and then it blows up? Are you going to have uh, people who know how to pull this back? You're going to have very sophisticated stuff. You're going to, have to take a lot of steps back to retrace those steps of what humans have lost. Uh, Mikio Kaku, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, the, the guy who's a theoretical physicist, but he talks about all different types of things. Uh, Kaku said chatbots are, quote, glorified tape recorders. They take snippets, he said, of what's on the web created by humans, splice them together, and pass it off like it, as if it created these things. Uh, and people say, oh, it's human because it's human-like. He says, no, they're just glorified tape recorders. This isn't intelligence, he said. This is basically a sort of warped mirror of what's on the Internet for the last 20 years. Designed to spit out things that seem plausible. But again, it's going to be very, very, very useful for a big brother idiocracy. Again, Terry Gillen's Brazil. Uh, other experts have been ringing alarm bells. Some of them saying AI is coming for all of us. I think uh, we're not ready. I think we don't know what we're doing. I think we're all going to die, said one AI theorist. We've seen this. The godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, also opined this year. It's not inconceivable that AI could eventually wipe out humanity. We've seen this over and over again. It's going to become self-aware. It's going to become this godlike intelligence. It's just going to crush us like ants. Elon Musk saying, we're going to have to become cyborgs. You need to get into transhumanism or you're not going to be able to, or you'll be made extinct by artificial intelligence. Uh, that's quite a lie that he's got there, isn't it? Uh, but it will be used by people to oppress us. And here's an example. OpenAI, Sam Altman, this guy has become one of technocracy's most dangerous dictator wannabes. Sam Altman, you know, he goes to the congressional committee only uh, people like me and, you know, maybe Microsoft, we're the only ones who should be allowed to do this. This is just too dangerous. It could kill us all. So you got to give us a monopoly on this. And he is a handmaid of totalitarian government. He is now saying, his company is now saying 
They're boasting about how ChatGPT4 can do content moderation. Censorship. Censorship. It can watch us in real time. It can match our biometric uh, you know, data that they've got on us, our appearance, and all this other kind of stuff. It can censor our speech. It can do it in real time. This is why, how it's going to be used. And uh, so, uh, already struggling to overcome its documented political bias. Give me a break. Uh, this is uh, Breitbart saying this. Look, it's not struggling to overcome its political bias. Uh, that political bias was put in there deliberately. That political bias was put in there by humans who are paid $15 an hour to label data good and bad and true and false and all the rest of this stuff. They paid people to put the bias in. They're not struggling to overcome this. They're struggling to come up with a narrative to tell people that. But of course, who needs the narrative to tell people that it's not biased when you can censor people who say that it's biased, when you can censor people who show what chat GPT is doing on behalf of government. OpenAI is now boasting of their AI technology capability to power content moderation, in other words, censorship. Praising content moderation as a tool for sustaining the health of digital platforms, quote-unquote, OpenAI claims that its powerful AI systems can reduce the need for humans. See, it's benevolent. We don't need to go out there and get a bunch of uh, Stasi people. We don't need to recruit everybody to spy on their neighbors as they did in East Germany. We can do this without human snitches. Isn't that nice? We can do it automatically. Never gets tired. Always watches. The ceaseless eye of an overseeing computer reporting on us to its masters at DARPA and the Pentagon. Uh, the much-talked-about tech company simply says that it wants to protect the mental health of the human moderators. <laughs> Yeah, they'd go mad if they had to do all this stuff. Traditionally, the burden of this task, they said, has fallen on human moderators who have to sift through large amounts of content to filter out toxic, harmful materials. So, uh, yeah, it's bad work being a censor, but somebody's got to do it. Oh, let's let the AI do it. Open AI concedes the biases of AI might be a problem when using this for content moderation. Well, it was designed for that. But, hey, if it's going to be the censor, it can hide its own bias. I like this uh, article from Charles Hugh Smith. of uh, His blog is called Of Two Minds. And he talks about AI and the peculiar unreality of spectacle. And he goes back to a book that was written in 1967. And um, it was a French philosopher uh, who wrote the book uh, The Society of the Spectacle. In 1967. And here's what he said about the spectacle, and see if that doesn't describe this AI world perfectly. Um, and uh, he says, uh, because spectacle replaces real life with a mere mediated representation of life that cannot be experienced directly, it provides a framework where mass deceptions and lies can consistently and convincingly appear as true. And so we see that, don't we? We see that in our news. We see that in our political campaigns. We see it in the pandemic narrative. We see it in the climate narrative. A spectacle that replaces real life. Oh, you especially see it in the campaign, don't you? CNN, talking about Michael Burry, uh, the big short guy, 
Again, there was a book and a movie about what he did. He became famous for correctly predicting the epic collapse of the housing market in 2008. He saw that bubble. And now he is betting more than $1.6 billion that Wall Street's about to crash. Maybe we should pay attention. <laughs> he is making his bearish bets against the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100, according to the Security and Exchange Commission filings that were released on Monday. His fund, Scion, um, Scion Asset Management, bought $866 million in put options, in other words, to sell it uh, short, against a fund that tracks the S&P 500 and an additional $739 million in put options against a fund that tracks the NASDAQ 100. So he's betting that both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are going to go down significantly. He's using more than 90% of his portfolio to bet on a market downturn. What does he know? Uh, they have both notched gains so far this year. They're both up 16% and 38% respectively. And so he's put 90% of his money uh, betting on a stock market crash. In the mid-2000s, he was famous for placing a wager against the housing market. Uh, the event was chronicled in the bestseller The Big Short inside the Doomsday Machine. It was later adapted into a film where he was played by Christian Bale. So he called the housing bu bubble, is this, uh, is, is this stock market being driven by the AI bubble? Yes, I think so. Because what is the reality? The reality, as Michael Snyder points out, is that CAS Freight Index is down 8.9% year over year. UPS and FedEx are both reporting demand for package delivery way down as well. Uh, and uh, UPS said it was down 9.9%. And daily package volume uh, for quarter two, June volume was down even more, 12.2%. FedEx reported an 18% drop in average daily shipments in its quarter that ended in March of 30, March 31st. So again, the uh, metrics of real economic activity are down, but of course, um, everybody is excited about artificial intelligence. Common Man. They created Common Core to dumb down our children. They created Common Pass to track and control us. Their Commons Project to make sure the commoners own nothing and the communist future. They see the common man as simple, unsophisticated, ordinary. But each of us has worth and dignity created in the image of God. That is what we have in common. That is what they want to take away. Their most powerful weapons are isolation, deception, intimidation. They desire to know everything about us while they hide everything from us. It's time to turn that around and expose what they want to hide. Please share the information and links you'll find at thedavidnightshow.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com.